Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. We have two NFL games tonight, preseason games. Patriots, man, I heard they would look terrible in practice the other day. Their offense was just struggling. They take on the Giants. Surely that'll that'll fix their ills, right? Their starters aren't playing tonight, so I've heard. Oh. So no Hunter Henry. I hate to hear that. It, it's almost like not having an offensive coordinator may be an issue. Could it be? Huh. And then you got uh, Traylon Burks in Tennessee taking on the Ravens tonight. And I want to talk a little preseason football. Emory Hunt, or yeah, Emory Hunt joins us now on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Emory, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing fine, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it's it's been great. I was telling the story, man. Tell everybody your story of your rise to fame. It's pretty cool, man. You and I have been doing radio for years, and to see you now on CBS HQ uh, doing some uh, hits, CBS Sports HQ, that's neat, man. You've you've come a long way. Yeah, man. It started, you know, from a website in 07 to YouTube in 09, and, you know, I started doing college football games in, in 14 or 15, I believe, and, you know, the red wire touch the, the blue wire, and they say, you know, I'm taking off. So it's, it's been it's been fun, um, you know. It's been a, a journey, and it's been you know a fun one at that because a lot of people may think you made it, but it, if you ask me, you know, to, you know, right now I'm like, nah, I, I'm just getting started. So I'm excited <laughs> to see where this whole thing can continue to go. Yeah, that's great. I'm proud of you, and you've done a great job. Uh, the perseverance, the faith in yourself, uh, just to keep on attacking like you do. Uh, congratulations. What do you think about, uh, let's start with uh, Tennessee, Baltimore, and our guy Traylon Burks from Arkansas. He had a rough spring, or OTA, some of the mini camps sounded like it was rough, but some of the reports I'm hearing from Tennessee during fall camp and training camp, it's been pretty good about Traylon. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I know everyone wants to jump on the, the initial tweets that are coming out of camp and everything, but I always tell people, you got to, you, you got to inspect what you expect. So if you expect good stuff to come out of camp uh, from your from your writers and from your analysts, then you got to ask yourself, well, who's doing the writing and the analyzing? And not realizing a lot of things take time. And for these guys coming in, these rookie guys coming into camp, you know, off of the circuit they they come on, uh, come off of, you know, in terms of the draft circuit, where you're working out or you going to this interview at this part of the country and flying across country. You, you really don't really get into football shape until a bit way through training camp. And I'm glad that started to happen for Traylon Burks because we know how talented he is out there on the field. And I'm excited to see him tonight. Think he'll get a lot of action tonight? I think so. Because he's a frontline starter, I feel like he's going to see minimal action, maybe in a series or two. You don't want to run your first round pick out there and, um, and a guy you expect to be out there for a full 17 game season for more than. A series two, but it'll be great to see him work with fellow rookie Malik Willis. I think that's going to be something uh, to watch for because I know Malik is going to get a lot of time uh, today with the with the quote unquote one. I remember the uh, Hall of Fame game last year. Micah Parsons, he's on the sideline pleading to go back in. He was so mad that he didn't get enough playing time, and the coach was just like, "And no, it was I think it was Leighton Vander Ash that was sitting next to him. Was like." It's a long, long. It's a long season. Just relax. You're gonna have plenty <laughs> You'll of get time. Plenty of time. Just on, on relax the, a little on bit. The, you're good. Okay. So I can kind of see that with Traylon Burks and what you're talking about. Yeah, it's funny because when you, as a player, you want to play, uh, but you also got to think big picture, think long term. 
Um, you don't want because you, you want to go out there and show people why they drafted you or why you're such highly thought of, and to go out there, especially as a receiver, where you have to depend on the line blocking and the quarterback finding you and de- delivering the football accurately for you to even get the opportunity. I can see how frustrating that could be. At least for a running back, you know when they call the play, okay, I'm getting the football and I can show guys what I got. But for a receiver, it's tough. He's going to have to manage those expectations. In the past, when the preseason was four games, the third game was usually the dress rehearsal game. Now that it's only three games, is the second game going to be the dress rehearsal game now? If it were me, it would be the first game because you kind of want to give guys the initial ramp-up and then slowly, you know, pull guys back later because you don't want to get that ramp-up game, like you said, the second game of the preseason because now you're going to find yourself what, two weeks removed from the regular season game, and you want to kind of give guys a full you know, load right away and then slowly pull back. So that way you, you get them the initial you know, rush of, of playing and get contact, and then each subsequent week you start to pull back more and more. So therefore you get, you get the opportunity to really head into the season. Because if you're going in that second game um, and playing those guys into the third quarter and then you know, not playing guys in that third preseason game, I don't think it does what you're trying to do any service or any justice. Emory Hunt with us. You can check out his website, footballgameplan.com, also on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, what do you expect out of the Ravens, and what do you want to see tonight? I saw, uh, Emory, the other day, the, the – The Ravens have won 21 straight preseason games. They oh, my goodness. They have lost a preseason game since 2015. Head to Oakland. I don't know what the spread is, but that's a great little tidbit. I saw a stat where Cincinnati was like uh, plus, I can't remember, whatever. It surprised me. Uh, they were really good odds on Cincinnati just to win their division. And I'm like, Cleveland with their issues, Baltimore, or, uh, Pittsburgh replacing their quarterback, Baltimore, I don't know. I, I like Cincinnati a lot, and I was surprised at those odds. So what do you expect out of Baltimore? I expect them to win the division. Okay, um, well, there you go. I won't bet it. <laughs> they could have won the division last year had – Lamar Jackson not gotten injured. Remember, at the time he got injured, they were the number one seed in the AFC. You know, and he was looking like he was going to win his second MVP award, and everything fell apart, even with those injuries that they had. So imagine that team coming back full strength. That's a dangerous Ravens team um, going into the season. And Cincinnati is still a young team, and I feel like their offensive line, while they've added some pieces, is still a question mark. And Joe Burrow is so good that he can supersede that O-line play. But when you, if you're going within a division and you're piecing their offensive line versus that Ravens defensive front seven, that's not a matchup that they're going to win. And I feel like with a healthy Ravens squad, it, you have to give them the edge over Cincinnati. This is a division. Once Pittsburgh solves its quarterback thing, and also once we have any clarity on how many games Sean Watson will be suspended, if we go into 2023 with Lamar Jackson, Sean Watson, Joe Burrow, and Mike Tomlin still a head coach of Pittsburgh, we may be talking about this division potentially getting four teams in the playoffs with how good they are top to bottom because of the top three teams in their quarterback situation. Uh, moving to the AFC East, the Bills are obviously the favorite to be the the one seed there. Um who would be second in the AFC? Last year it was the Pats, but now the Dolphins have loaded up. And Is this a do-or-die year for Tua also? I feel like the Dolphins are the number two seed in that division. I feel like the Patriots are last. Um, just pound for pound, the Jets have more talent on both sides of the ball than the New England Patriots. 
and they have a, a quarterback that has a higher upside than Mac Jones. And so when you combine all of that, you see the Patriots, if it wasn't for Bill Belichick, you know, coaching that team and, and being who he is, a Hall of Fame coach, if not the best coach in football history, um, you would worry about them not having a winning season. Uh, so I feel like with the weight, these guys have both up in the beginning. Uh, I'm talking about the other two teams, the Dolphins and Jets. And with the, the Bills being, you know, deep on both sides of the ball, the Patriots will be looking up, in my opinion, at the AFC East. But the Dolphins, with the explosiveness on the perimeter, with the explosiveness in the backfield, with uh, angry Tua talking about, low, I like this tour that I'm seeing um, from his interviews during training camp. You know, pissed off Tua is, to me, going to hmm. be a better tour. And the Jets, with their talent and their run game and everything that they've done this offseason, I love this division, and I just don't like the Patriots on top of it anymore. Yeah, I like the Dolphins a lot. And if Tua, <laughs> they were my uh, team, was it last year? Maybe I was Maybe a, been two years ago. Yeah, I was a little ahead of time. Uh, but their defense was so good. And uh, now that they've added all those weapons on offense and, like you said, the backs, I, I think they have a good team if Tua – you know, if he plays like uh, some people, like he did in college, watch out for the Dolphins. I play better pissed off. <laughs> it's an interesting line on that game as well. What is it? So I'm I'm pulling this up on DraftKings, and Miami is minus 115, and the Bucks are minus 105. Hmm. So pretty interesting, and I find it interesting. And Emory, I want to get your take on this as well. That it's kind of a uh, a freeway rivalry, as you've got the Rams, who are the underdogs, interestingly enough, against the Chargers, as the Rams are plus one forty, and the Chargers are minus one sixty five. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like preseason you always got to study the depth chart and the backup quarterback situation, and they have, you know, Chargers have Chase Daniel, you know, who in the league, still competing I, I love Chase's stick and what he brings to people. He gives them some athleticism. And for the Rams, you know, John Wolford is their backup. kind of okay. Um, Bryce Perkins, to me, is a, a guy that played a little bit better than Wolford in the preseason, and they bring in the USFL, uh, Luis Perez, who's been around the block for a while. So, I, I tend to like the Chargers. I like the depth there uh, more so than um, than the Rams, and I just feel like we'll we'll see uh, that. I think we'll we'll see the Chargers knock out the Rams in that preseason game. And the Dolphins, um, their backup quarterback situation at Bridgewater and a big guy, a guy in Scarlett Thompson, I'm a big fan of coming out of Kansas State. The, the Bucks, if Tom Brady does not play, the Bucks have no shot to win any game. Regular season, preseason, practice, it doesn't matter. They, their depth is terrible behind Tom Brady. Emory Hunt with us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Uh, Emory, when you look at the East, uh, is it the Cowboys and Eagles? Is it a two-horse race? And could the Giants, I heard this on a national talk show last night, uh, the analysts picked uh, the Giants to be the worst team in the NFL, have the worst record. Is that? I know you cover the Giants a lot. Is that possible? Man, it's, it's, it's it's definitely possible based off if Daniel Jones plays the entire season. But I don't see that being the case. I think we'll see Tyrod Taylor uh, at least after the bye week for the Giants. And just by judging him uh, going to these practices, and I've been to all the practices from rookie minicamp OTAs and, uh, you know, all training camp, Tyrod's been the best quarterback out there. And so it all depends on how the Giants are losing games early on. If they're losing these games, you know, 20 to, to, to six or, 
you know, 23-9. With defenses doing their part, but the offense can't get the ball, rolling can't score the ball, they're going to have to go with Tyrod Taylor. The players know that Tyrod is the better quarterback, but they're giving Daniel Jones the opportunity. But at some point, you want to win games. You want to re- re- uh, retain that trust that locker room. And if you're playing the worst guy, you'll lose the locker room because the locker room knows, oh, man, this dude should be playing. And at some point, that's going to come to a head. And if it does, watch how everyone else around Tyrod plays better. You'll notice that the receivers are actually pretty good. You're starting to notice the offensive line does a solid job in pass throw. Saquon will have much more room to run the football because if you don't, then you'll find yourself what people have been doing all throughout Daniel Jones' career, blaming the OCs, blaming the head coach, blaming the GM, blaming the receivers, blaming the offensive line. It's everybody else's problem but the guy that controls the ball every play. I've been thinking for years that they should have drafted a quarterback to replace Daniel Jones. What is the reason that they didn't? They just they thought he had something? Some people like being married to bad ideas. And, and here's the thing. When you look at Daniel Jones, and this, was, this was – was, was mind-blowing for me this past draft. Okay, you're not going to take one in the first round. Fine. You nailed your first two first-round picks in Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. But you're sitting there in the third round, and you can get Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter for basically free. And you don't even get those guys uh, to have a young guy develop because even though you know Tyrod is not your future, you signed him to a two-year deal. He's essentially your bridge quarterback to the next guy, right? But why do you have Davis Webb on the roster? Because at least Daniel Jones is athletic. We know Tyrod is athletic. What is Davis Webb doing out here on this roster? Why not have a, a young rookie that you can develop that has some mobility that fits your MO of what you want at the position, and they bypass an opportunity to get a Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis, even in round two? Um, both guys are really good quarterbacks and are better than Daniel Jones is right now. We'll see Malik Willis tonight do things that Daniel Jones just can't even do. And I thought the, the Giants just bypassed an opportunity to get better uh, in the draft by taking a chance on somebody in a second or third round, which you still have no real ties to. It would have been a great move for the GM to do that and bring someone in right away. But they're so married to that idea of this guy is just like Eli Manning. They don't want to be considered wrong. And that's not these two guys that just came in, uh, and Shane and, and Dabo. I'm talking about the, the ownership and still wanting to believe that Daniel Jones is the next Eli Manning because he worked with David Cutcliffe like Eli did. Uh, sticking with quarterback talks, last year's draft class, Mac Jones was probably the best rookie quarterback. Davis Webb, or not Davis Webb, Davis Mills was the surprise second best quarterback for most of the year. Who do you think will be the best quarterback from that class this year, though? I have to go with Trevor Lawrence because he's in a, a really good situation um, with the quarterback uh, coach and, and the, the head coach and former quarterback in Doug Peterson. He's tied at the hip with a guy that has athleticism, and we know he knows how to maximize quarterbacks that have athleticism and also knows how to maximize the offensive talent that's on the roster. You look at what they have coming back. You get both uh, James Robinson and Travis Etienne, who's essentially playing his rookie year this year, uh, back in the defense is going to be really good. They added some athleticism there within the front. And Tyson Campbell's a budding star at corner. So, the offensive line, I thought it was a great job bringing back Cam Robinson and, and adding some talent to Walker Little was a surprise for them to give them a potential start on the right side or at least a swing tackle. So I like what they've done. I think he's in the best possible situation set up for success. Emery, thank you. It was a, a lot of fun. I appreciate the time you gave us today, and it was good to catch up with you. 
Same, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Emory Hunt on the uh, Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Go check out his website, CBS Sport, or you can check out his website, footballgameplan.com, or see him on CBS Sports HQ.